book of Ezekiel in chapter number 37. I don't know about you, but I'm glad the cup's empty. Amen. Amen. Praise God. One of the Psalms talks about the dregs of the cup. And if you've ever drunk a cup of coffee, you know what the dregs are. And uh, he took the dregs, praise God. There's nothing left. Amen. And I thank the Lord for it. Ezekiel, man, if I'd have fell down like he did, I'd still be down there. And Brother Bo, I'd have probably broke the platform, praise God. Ezekiel chapter 37, let's stand together. Man, we're talking about a recession, praise God. Amen. Preacher was in Bible college, and Baptist Bible college, and they sent him to fill in a church out in the, out in the country, the country Methodist church, and said, man, he got in there and got to preaching. Praise God. Hallelujah. Somebody done drunk out of that, and they give him. <laughs> he said they got to preaching, it got hot. And uh, he looked and said, man, he looked over there, and there's some water right there by the pulpit. So Never had seen it quite in that container, but man, it got so hot, he just reached over there and drank it. He said, there's a little lady on the back, said, Lord God, he drunk the baptistry, amen, <laughs> amen. He said, either I was real thirsty or that wasn't much of a baptistry, amen. <laughs> Ezekiel chapter number 37, the Bible said, the hand of the Lord was upon me. We can take time out and just thank God right there. Amen. I'm glad the Holy Ghost is in me, according to the New Testament. I'm glad he's with me, and thank God he can still get on me. Amen. Amen. The hand of the Lord was upon me, carried me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down. Carried me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were many in the open valley, and lo, there were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, that thou knowest. Again, he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. I will lay sinews upon you and will bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and ye shall live and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So prophesied, so I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied, there was a noise and behold a shaking and the bones came together, bone to his bone. If I was preaching out of verse seven, I'd preach on there's a whole lot of shaking going on, amen? Verse number eight, and when I beheld, lo, the sinews, 
and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Pretty good. Uh, that's a pretty good description of a lot of churches today. There was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried, and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts you can be seated. Now, let me say, by the way, I do understand a little bit about uh, uh, the rules of studying your Bible. There is a primary interpretation to every text that you read. I also understand there are some practical applications that can be made from the Word of God. And uh, as I've studied the book of Psalms, you find not only is there a primary interpretation and a practical application, in many places there are a prophetic implication. And may I say, as you look into these verses, I do understand uh, that Ezekiel is looking down the corridor of time uh, to the end of the age when Jesus, the Messiah, is going to return and claim his people. I don't care what Stephen Anderson says, amen. And uh, let me just say a word to you, young preachers. You better watch what you watch on the internet, amen. You better listen to what your preacher has to say. And if that that person's preaching something that your man of God's not preaching, you better run the other direction. Amen. It seems like lately, Brother John, there's a lot of folks, Brother Ginn's got a whole lot to say about Israel. But God has not changed his mind about the nation of Israel. But thank God I know Trump's not a perfect man. And listen, he's a long way from it. But thank God, at least he's got enough sense to be good to Israel. Amen. And I realize that the Lord is showing us uh, some things that are going to happen in the end of the day. Ezekiel told about the people uh, or told the people that a nation was one day going to be raised to life again and a nation that had been divided uh, was going to be brought back together. Amen. And you say, how quickly could that be? About seven years from today, praise God. I'm glad I'm looking for the rapture, aren't you? Uh, but there coming a day, amen. I love that book of Ruth, praise God. I missed something. I've looked at those prophetic implications in Ruth, but I missed some things in Esther. I think about Esther, there she was, a virtuous Gentile bride who was not did not die, but she was set aside. And when that virtuous Gentile bride that didn't die was set aside, here come a Jewish bride to take her place. I'm telling you, praise God. Uh, it might be tonight before the sun goes down uh, that a virtuous Gentile bride, Brother Giddens, uh, it's taken out of here. Uh, and the Lord is going to begin uh, once again to deal with the nation of Israel. Uh, I say happy day, happy day. Uh, because when he's doing that, neighbor, uh, that means you and I are there. Uh, yonder with the Son of God, uh, there is a great day coming. Amen. You say prophetically, where are we living? Well, we're living in the last few verses of chapter one in Ruth. Amen. 
Hey, what's happened? Naomi, a picture of Israel. Ruth, a picture of the Gentile. Amen. And they come back in. They're in the city. But everything that was Naomi's before she left is not hers yet. But just hold on. Chapter, chapter four is coming. And there's going to be a wedding. And there's going to be a wedding between a kinsman redeemer and a, and a Gentile bride. And after the wedding, everything that was Naomi's is going to be Naomi's again. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm glad I didn't have to wait to get to Revelation. I wanted to find out a little bit about some prophecy. But I'm glad sprinkled throughout the word of God are pictures of what the Lord's going to do in coming days. Amen. That's the primary interpretation. But I want to deal a little bit of an application this evening. And I want to preach on revival at the Dry Valley Baptist Church. Amen. Revival at the Dry Valley Baptist Church. Brother Laddie. I've got an older gentleman in our church that uh, has just moved back to the eastern side of the state that was in Rome for many years. And he was an interim pastor at a church with the name of Dry Valley Baptist Church. I told Brother Payne the other day, I've refused to pastor anything with dry in the name. Amen. If I was called to be the pastor of the Dry Valley Baptist Church, Brother Kirkendall, the first thing we would do was cut a lake in the, listen, find somewhere on the property that we could have, cut a lake out and put some water in it. Or for the least thing, when we have church, turn the fire hydrant on, amen. God help, I wouldn't want anybody in the community to think anything we were doing at the house of God was dry. But may I say, like Ezekiel, hey, we are surrounded by the dead. Everywhere you look, every place you see, uh, oh, we're spiritual death on every hand. Uh, but can I tell you, like Ezekiel, uh, we have been sent out to tell the dead uh, that they cannot live again. Oh, Ezekiel's name means God strengthens. Uh, I mean, there's 25 references uh, in the book of Ezekiel to the Holy Ghost. Uh, you say, how are you going to get it done? There's only one way. It is going and tell them that the Holy Ghost still has the power of neighbor to make the bones live again. Amen. Amen. Let me give you three things that I'll be done. Number one, I want you to notice the need of revival. Amen. That word revive means to breathe again. Now let me say this, revival is not evangelism. Amen. If you have revival, evangelism and soul, souls being saved will be a byproduct, but revival and evangelism are two different things. Amen. You won't have to worry, I remember years ago, uh, Brother Edgar, after he resigned the church, 
he came back to preach the camp meeting and he was the main speaker on that uh, on that week in the night and many got up there in that week uh, uh, brother Simpson he preached on hell every night he said I know where I am and I know what kind of meeting we're in and some of you say well I, I guess there won't be no shouting this week I, I guess there won't be any rejoicing this week and that old white headed man of God looked over those black glasses he said you let people start getting saved and getting born again and the rejoicing will take care of itself amen I'm telling you there is a great need of revival in our day you say why because this valley was a valley of defeat what was he walking in he was walking in a valley with the remnants of the bodies of fallen soldiers. This valley he was walking through, there had been a battle there and the men that were laying in the valley and their bones had been exposed to the sun and their bird, their bones had been exposed to the birds of prey and everything that was going on, they were laying there because there had been a defeat. You better listen what I find. You know as well as I do. You travel and preach and y'all do. A lot of times when you're on the road, you are a pastor to pastors. And I'll be honest with you, most of the time, I'm not convinced that that's not the reason we're there to help that preacher. Brother Rufus Edmondson said many years ago, he said, if all you can do in a revival is help the pastor. And if you've helped him when you leave, You've done a good job. Amen. I mean, boy, we're looking, we walk in and, and so-and-so family just left or it's been this many months uh, uh, since somebody got saved. Uh, it seems like they're fighting on every hand. Uh, uh, you better believe we are living uh, in a generation that's more defeated, uh, a neighbor than anyone I've ever seen before. Uh, uh, you say, why? Listen, we don't have to walk around uh, with our head held low, uh, our spirits dragging the ground. Uh, uh, listen, God can still do a work in this hour. Oh God, wilt thou not revive us again? Oh Psalm 71, 18 said, Oh God, forsake me not until I show the next generation thy power. That's my heart. I want these kids to know there is victory in Jesus. Amen. A defeat. Can I tell you when we live in defeats, when we refuse to believe God for the victory? Mm. Valley was not only a valley of defeat, it was a valley of deadness. I mean, bones, not bodies, bones. Amen. These bones had once walked. These bones had once talked. These bones had once battled, but now they're dead. I don't want to be a part of a work of God that all you can talk about is what happened 50 years ago. I'm not, and that is not a slight to heritage. I think we do, Brother Gibbs, I really believe we probably do a very poor job preserving our heritage to this generation. They ought to hear us revere the men of God that plowed the road for us and marked the path. They ought to know who our heroes are. They ought to know who we revered and held in great esteem. Amen. 
But if that's the only God they know, we've done them a disservice. Brother Giddens, you've been bringing your kids to camp for all these years. And my heart and my burden for another generation is for them to know that God will still do it for them. Amen. I mean, listen, you've been there so many years. We get on there Monday night and we tell them if we're going to have church, it's not going to be because God helps a few preachers or God helps a few adults. But if we have church, it's going to be because God works on some young folk. Amen. I don't want somebody walking in our church and look around and see bones in the pulpit and bones in the choir and bones in the Sunday school room. God, help us. I want to have more than bones. Amen. Valley was a valley defeat. It was a valley of deadness. Notice verse two. It was a valley of dryness. Notice what it said. It said there were very many and they were very dry. How many of you ladies got rolls of bread at home? All y'all gluten free? God help. Let me just ask you young boys this question. We're about to see how old-fashioned we are. Do any of y'all know what a bread box is? Dear Lord, we need to pray now. When I was a boy, Brother Kirkendall, there was a bread box in our house that any point during the week, Brother Goose, where you could take the top off and there would be biscuits and cornbread in the box, praise God, glory to God. It was white bread, it was not multi-grain, it wasn't multi-grain cornbread. Hey man, it was not Hungry Jack Pillsbury biscuits. Honey, it was Martha White with Crisco, praise God. Hey man, I'm talking about cat head biscuits and every time you took the top off, there was something to be had in the bread box. Hey man. So let me ask again, ladies, not the bread box. Do any of you keep loaf bread in your home? No wonder these teenage boys are so big. They're eating out all the time, praise God. They're killing my illustration, Brother Brown. No, nobody got no loaf bread. You know what? Do you know what you have to do for bread to get stale? I don't have to go out there and throw it in the dirt. I don't have to go out there to the barn, Brother Luke, where the cows feed and we feed hay. I don't have to go to the feed lot and take it out there and roll it in the cow manure and roll it in the blood, listen, roll it in the mud. All I've got to do is leave that bag open for just a little while and the exposed to the elements causes that bread to be dry. You say, what makes it stale? All of the moisture has been sucked out of the bread and I'm afraid we think it's long as we're in the house of God and we're on visitation and we come to Sunday school that we're never gonna get stale. But honey, if you're living in this world and you're exposed to the elements, you are in danger of getting dry. We're in danger of getting dry because all we do is put out, put out, put out, You know why these meetings are such an oasis for preachers? 
because they get to sit here like a little bird in the nest. Feed me, feed me, feed me. Feed me, feed me, feed me. Oh God, I don't want to get in a pulpit. Honey, I've been in places where it was dry as cracker juice. Amen. Hey, the reason we need revival, they were in a valley of dryness. Amen. No moisture left in the bones. Oh God. Notice verse three. Huh? And I'm for living right. Are you listening? I'm against enough to make us. Have y'all ever got preaching big? I mean, get to preaching again. I mean, every once in a while, y'all change all, just preach on everything. Amen. Amen. Get in the car, Brother John, Miss Amy, look at me and say, Daddy, when we get to be against that? And I said, Oh, no, but we are today. Amen. Amen. You're right. We gonna got somewhere we want to preach around sin and preach about it. But praise God, every once in a while, we ought to be able to name it so they can identify it. Amen. That's not mean. That's somebody trying to save your life. That's somebody saying, stay. Let me give this illustration. I read some years ago, there was up out in the Northwest, a passenger train had become disabled on the tracks and they knew that a freight train was coming their direction and that, that passenger train could not get off of the, out of a pull-off and they were stuck on the tracks. So they sent one of the conductors to wave a flag to tell the, to tell the freight train that was approaching that there was danger ahead to stop. That conductor... Got his flag, went out on the, out on the rails and began to wave the, wave the flag. All of a sudden, here come that freight train. Never did stop, just bow right through. And in moments, that engineer, that freight train, saw that passenger train, bailed off the train, saved his life, but slammed in, slammed into that passenger train. They were having an inquiry. Some months later, and that engineer was on the stand. And they asked him, they said, why did you speed through the red flag? Why did you speed through that flag that was saying, slow down? He said, red flag. He said, there was no red flag. It had been so long since they had waved the red flag that it had faded to a light orange or a bright yellow and he said, all I thought it meant was to slow down. But again, in our day, preachers, we're not waving a red flag anymore. We're waving a yellow flag. We're not saying to them, stop. We're saying to them, slow down. We're not saying to them, danger. We're saying, man, just don't get way out there. I say, man of God, it's time for us to stand in a pulpit and raise a red flag and say, stop. Thank God for a man of God that waved a flag and kept me out of hell and kept my daddy out of hell and kept my mother out of hell and kept our bus kids out of hell. Thank God, let us wave a red flag, amen. Amen. 
That valley is the valley of defeat. It's a valley of deadness. It's a valley of dryness. Look at verse 3. It's a valley of despair. Notice the question. Can these bones live? Brother Gravely, we would probably be surprised how many men of God, preachers and preachers' wives, have come into this meeting with that question in their heart. Can these bones live again? Can these bones I wish I could, I have one thing, I, I've got a picture at home the summer before Brother Willard died. He was at camp and he was quoting Dream On. Amen. He said, I've held, let's see if I can't, man, I can't get it in my head. Man, I can see him preaching and I can hear the meter of it. He said, I've known the cup of disappointment and pain and I've gone many days without a song. He said, but I've held enough of those golden sheaves. I think I'm just going to keep dreaming on. Amen. I wish I could find every preacher more. Uh, Brother Edgar, Brother Willard, oh man, Brother Allen showed up a couple years ago. That man, he got to see all them kids. Uh, I wanted him to see, hey, uh, that everything he gave his life for was still worth it. Uh, Everybody's not going back. Uh, Everybody's not going liberal. Uh, Everybody's not going contemporary. Uh, But may I say to you, uh, it's time we lift our voice uh, and say, yes, the bones can live. Uh, Somebody say, man, can this church be revived. Uh, Yes, it can be revived. Uh, Can those kids get saved? Yes, those kids can get saved. Can that family be put together? Yes, they can live again. We had a little couple show up to Bible school last year. Man, young fella, tattooed up, big old earrings in his ears. Wife, about three and a half years pregnant. I mean, you know, I mean, you know what I'm talking about, brother. I mean, brother Bo looked like her belly button looked like he was ready to shoot. I mean, gunshots out of it. I mean, if my arms hadn't been that long as they are, I couldn't have shook her hand. How you doing? Y'all okay? I'm so glad I'm a man. Praise God. I'd have, I'd, I'd have punked out when it came to having a child. Praise God. I like the old-fashioned days. You got to stay out in the waiting room. I started to say stay out in the locker room until they get down the waiting room. Amen. They come in there on that Tuesday night, Bible school. They ain't never seen it quite like that. They came back the next Sunday to church. Came back the next Sunday while we were on vacation. And they got saved, Blake. Oh, Blake got saved in the service. Tiffany got saved. Afterwards, old, old Brother Howard, the old preacher, Asked her, said, honey, you ever been saved? She said, no, sir. She said, well, would you like to get saved? She said, I sure would. Only thing going on was music camp. So they came to music camp. Came Monday. Don't play. I didn't even know the old boy picked the guitar. He does now. He played on the platform Sunday. Huh? Got saved. And they just got to coming. Didn't take long. The earrings came out. Tattoos got covered up. She wore them tight britches for a while to church, about four weeks. Then she walked in with a dress, and she had put him in a shirt and tie. It wasn't long ago they called me and said, Preacher, could you do something for us? 
I said, you sure? I'll be happy to walk out there. She said, we need to get married. Ain't you glad we got a Holy Ghost that can take care of things? Amen. I mean, I did their wedding that there with us. And, uh, and come to find out, that boy was a preacher's son. Didn't even know that until we did the wedding. I wonder, if his, I wonder if his daddy ever thought those bones would live again because he's got the marks of sin and death all over him. I got done doing the, I got finished doing the, doing the ceremony. Husband, you kiss your bride. You know what she looked at me and said? She said, preacher, I didn't get to come Sunday on that faith promise day. She said, you think I could get one of them envelopes? She said, I, I think we, I think we want to get involved in that faith promise missions. I mean, right after we said, I do, and the man kissed his wife, she looked at me and said, you got any them faith promise mission envelopes? I said, hold up. You, I mean, I stopped right there, ran back there and got one. I said, right here it is. This is your side. This is our side. She said, one more thing. You think we can get baptized? Amen. I sort of figured that's what happened, but I let the Holy Ghost do it. Y'all pray for me. You might have said it the first Sunday, but hey, I believe God. He did all that. And I tell you, you know how I'm going to baptize him? I'm going to put that man right there. I'm going to put that woman right in front of him. I'm going to let him put her, his arms around her. The Bible said they became one flesh. I'm going to baptize them together. Amen. I'm big enough to get it done, praise God. Amen, praise God. Amen. They were made one flesh, and now they're in one God, and they're in one faith. I say, preach on, preacher, but the bones can still live again. It ain't time to give up. It's not time to back down. The bones will live again. Amen. Brother Ellis, every time you walk in a prison, you're seeing the remnants of sin and death. But when them boys walk out of there, and I'm sure there's questions in your mind at times, will these bones live again? And I know all of them don't get out and do right, but there's enough of them that do to keep going. Hey, Brother Bailey, the bones can still live again. Brother Blake, they can live. Brother Simpson, they can live. Uh, Brother Laddie, Brother Joe, they can live. Uh, honey, listen, they're still. Uh, can have revival at the Dry Valley Baptist Church. Amen. Number two, hallelujah. It'd be, it'd be a blessed fire good thing if the preachers could just get convinced that the bones would live again. Half of our folks' problem is not their problem, it's our problem. I've been in two revivals. Three, three revivals. Oh, Brother Sammy came to Brother Willard's right before I surrendered to preach. First Holy Ghost revival ever been in. Went six weeks. 54, 53, 54 people got saved. Amen. Two months later, I surrendered to preach. 2009, 
And Brother Daniel's in here somewhere. Where are you at, Brother Daniel? Or he can go back and lay down. Brother Daniel probably took his kids back. Brother Daniel and I were up on top of Sand Mountain, Alabama, at the Bible, Sand Mountain Bible Camp between Christmas and New Year's. Had about 70 kids. First time I'd ever heard the song, God's Been Good. God got to helping us. Had first night I preached, I got ready to leave. There was a 19-year-old boy that stayed behind. Everybody else went to the snack bar. One 19-year-old boy sat right back here. I walked by him and said, son, anything I can do for you? He said, no, nah, preacher. He said, I just need the Lord. Mm. Hallelujah. Mm. Came back the next night and preached again. There's about five more stayed with him. There's all squalling. I said, kids, can I help you? They said, oh, no, Brother Mark. We just need the Lord. Came back Wednesday night, preached again. Whole youth group was there. Squalling, laying in the floor. I'd be wetting the, wetting the benches or seats or whatever were there. I said, youngers, can I help you? They said, oh, no, we, we just need the Lord. A month later, Alfred Willis had a heart attack on Saturday night. Brother Rudy Smith called me, 6.30 on Sunday morning. He said, Brother Mark, he said, I've never got to hear you preach. We've been together a time or two in meetings and never heard you preach, but God's put you on my heart. Brother Willis had a heart attack last night. He's supposed to come preach for us. And is there any way you could come preach? He said, I'm sort of getting you like a pig in a poke. I don't know if you can preach or not. That's what he said. I mean, if I go preach now, he says, you going to preach or you going to gobble around? Bless God. That's what he'll ask me. I showed up on Monday night and got to preaching. And Brother Morgan, before I could ever get done, here they came. Second night, I got to preaching. Halfway through, here the church came. What I didn't know, those kids that had stayed behind on, that, on those nights on top of Sand Mountain had been praying every day for a month. Not because the youth director got them together. They got their self together. Amen. Nine weeks later, we shut her down, Brother Giddens. 110 people born again. Eight young men called to preach. A young lady surrendered to the mission field. Why? Because a little 19-year-old boy hung around one night after a service and said, we need God. We need the Lord. Look, can I tell you, the bold still can live again. Two years later, Brother, Brother, Brother Chris, you came down. Brother Hewitt, you were there. Brother Bud Sittler got a burden to have revival in Roanoke, Alabama and bring the churches together. Now, y'all pray for me. I'm going to be real honest in this next part. Had I have known about that situation, all of those churches were splits off of one. Now, if I'd have known that, I'd have went down there with skepticism in my mind and in my heart. Y'all pray for me. Maybe you're better spiritual than I am. Y'all, y'all mean, amen. I preached on that Monday night. A little nine-year-old boy got saved. But for an hour, people walked across those sawdust aisles and were getting right with each other. Amen. Am I, brother, brother, am I telling it right, Brother Simpson? I mean, Brother Hewitt. Amen. Five weeks later, we shut that one down. And a hundred and how many, Brother Hewitt? 143 
I got to preach in five public high schools. They said it's drug awareness month. Said if we could get you, didn't you play ball? I said, oh yeah, I played football, basketball, baseball, captain of the football team, captain of the basketball team, co-captain of the baseball team. I said, absolutely. Said, well, you're a good student? I said, yes, ma'am. I graduated six in my class. They said, could, could we, if we got you in the school, could you tell them how you stayed off drugs? I said, oh yes. <laughs> they told me I could say whatever I wanted to say. So I went in that first middle school one morning about 7.45 and for about 45 minutes with sweat dripping off my face, I told them how I stayed off drugs. His name is Jesus. His name because the cup, the cup is empty. That's how I stayed off. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm talking about 300 middle schoolers at 7.45 in the morning. It was as quiet as a gnat would burp. You could have heard it. The only thing I couldn't do was give an invitation. They said, you can't ask them to respond. I said, I never really have been able to. That's, I said, ma'am, that's the Holy Ghost that does that. And I said, if he does that, y'all won't be able to tell him no. Well, Brother Hewitt, we went to breakfast. You were there. Sat down at breakfast. Y'all okay? Sat down, ordered our breakfast, and before I could get my grits on the table, the police officer's phone rang, said, there's a man, young man in the counselor's office. Could you come back and see him? I said, yeah. Went back in there. They said, he's in the, he's in the counselor's room back there in the boardroom. I went back there and there said a little 13-year-old black boy. He said, preacher, he said, I live with my aunt. He said, my daddy's in jail and my mama's in jail. He said, preacher, they came and took my aunt to jail yesterday. And they're about to take me to another family member, maybe a grandmother's house. And he said, preacher, do you really think that Jesus you were telling us about. Do you really think he could save me? I looked across that, I sat at a lot of boardroom tables in that bank when I was working in the bank. Set a lot of, I mean, I'm talking about trying to get loans approved with the board of directors and all that, but I'd never set one quite like that. I looked at that little boy, I said, son, do you think a cat can climb a tree? He said, yes, sir. I said, that's how sure Jesus will save you, praise God. That little boy crawled off under that seat. I began to call on God, 13-year-old little boy, and got born again. I'm telling you, in a public school, in America, the bones can still live again, amen. I got to go preach back on Friday morning at their Bible club. And when I got done preaching, Brother Blake, I looked out the side door, and there was three administrators standing out there. And I thought to myself, I ain't going to the office. <laughs> I thought, y'all three better go get your brother and sister and uncle if y'all are taking me to the office, amen. I'm not going. Amen. I said, I've got a diploma, praise God. Two, matter of fact. And I said, we walked to the door. They said, Mr. Stroud, I said, preacher. So there's a man up in, the, up in the cafeteria that'd like to speak to you before you leave. I said, okay. We walked up there, 
And there was like a 65, 67-year-old janitor by the name of Irvin Tucker, older black gentleman. He said, Rev, he said, when you was making that talk the other morning, I was standing in the corner. He said, Rev, he said, I've been a drunk all my life. He said, that man right there, and he pointed at Brother Derek Farr. He said, that man right there has took me to jail more times than I can count. He said, he's come in my house and said, Irvin, you're going to jail tonight. He said, I said, not before we tear this house up, I'm not going to jail. He said, after we tore my living room up, he finally took me to jail. He said, Rev, he said, do you think, this is how he said it. He said, do you think that Jesus man could save somebody like me. I said, Mr. Tucker, you better believe that Jesus will save you. I said, would you be willing to get right down here in this cafeteria in front of all these people and repent of your sin and get saved? He said, oh, yes, sir. He got down in there and I, I got on top of him and I didn't lead him into prayer, but I prayed everything I wanted him to pray. Amen. And it wasn't long I heard him say, amen. I said, Mr. Tucker, I said, did you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin and save you? He said, I sure did, Rev. I said, Mr. Tucker, what happened? He said, Rev, he said, that Jesus done saved me. He said, that Jesus done saved me. I looked over there and there, that police officer was uh, something that the badge couldn't do and something that a gun couldn't do and something that cuffs couldn't do and something that a rehab couldn't do. Only those balls can live again. Hallelujah. Glory to God, Brother Goldsmith. Hey, I'm telling you, listen, this world can't understand it. They can put an artificial heart in a man. They can put artificial limbs up and they put a man on the moon, but they can't do a thing with man's sin. But thank God the cup is empty, the debt's been paid, and the balls can live again. Hallelujah. You know the kicker to that is? That was the last day Irvin Tucker ever went to work. Monday morning, he had a heart attack and he never went back to work. Somebody go to Roanoke, Alabama and ask Irvin Tucker if the bones can live again. Hallelujah. What I'm saying is this, I've been in two or three and I know no more about revival now than I did when it came then. Everybody has a good meeting and they want to get a book and go write the equation to have revival. The first revival in our Bible was a man that ran away from God, came back to a people who did not want revival and the whole town had revival. How about that? And then he got mad because God sent revival and didn't kill him. Somebody put that in a book. Oh, I'm sorry, the Lord did. It's called the book of Jonah. Amen. We're going to get back. Come on, Brother Chris, play. It's going to help me land. I mean, I'm not one of them two-seaters. It takes me a little time to put it on the ground. Amen. I'm about done. It's about time. Isn't it? You say, how are we going to get there? Let me just say this. Look at verse 1. 
We're going to have to return to the sovereign will of God. Look at what verse 1 said. It said, the hand of the Lord was upon me, and carried me in the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down. God took Ezekiel where he wanted to take him. And you and I will have revival when we let God take us where he wants to take us. You look at the Word of God. I like it, verse 5 and 6. We're going to have to rely on the strong wind of God. When that wind, when that wind and that breath begin to blow. You can go to Genesis 17, I'll give you this. Genesis 17 is where Abraham got a new name. Sarah got a new name. You know Ishmael's the only one in Genesis 17 that got, didn't get a new name? You know why? You can't, you can't give the flesh a new name. There has to be a new creation. That's why there had to be an Isaac. Amen. There had to be another birth. You can't just give the flesh a new name. Amen. Hallelujah. It's got to be a new creation. But you know what, Brother Grant? You know the only thing that he added to Abraham and Sarah's name was an H. You know what letter the H is in the Hebrew alphabet? It's the fifth letter. He just reached up there and Abram put a handful of grace in his life and made him Abraham. And he went down there to Sarai and put an H in her name and gave her a little grace. But you say that H like this. He puts that breath of God in him. It makes a difference when that wind comes through the building. Don't worry, he's been putting the breath of God in people since Genesis 3 or 2. I'm about done. The nature revival. Look at verse 7. How do we get there, preacher? Look at what he said. As I was commanded, if one man hadn't complied to God's word, God's will for his life, He'd have never spoke and prophesied over those bones. Hey, I wonder, we got all these kids in here. Let me just preach. I just soon preach to kids as preach to anybody. Old Brother Tony said all them years ago, he said people over 35 years old, part of what they're going to be. He said, if we're going to affect another generation, we're going to have to do it in that younger group. I wonder, I wonder if you did in your youth group as you were commanded. I wonder what would happen at your place. Not your neighbor. Go back and ask Achan how that went for him. Look about the sound of new life. Look at verse 7. There was a noise. I promise you this, when new life comes, there will always be a noise. At first birth, there's a noise of a cry of a baby. That noise of that second birth is a confession. Hey, I'm telling you something, when that, when that new life comes, you'll hear stuff like this. I'm sorry. Did you hear, brother? Did you hear, brother Jones this morning talking about how, or and brother, brother, brother Dana both talking about the only way you're ever going to see him is if you see yourself. These Andersonites are preaching stuff like this. I didn't hear this. I heard it in my own ears. Said that that people don't have to be sorry for their sin to get saved. Let me say a word right there. I'm going to say that if that man believes that, he's a heretic and he's going to hell. Godless sorrow worketh repentance. Psalmist said, I'm sorry for my sin. 
The sorrow of the world worketh death, but godless sorrow worketh repentance. If I didn't feel sorry for my sin, I wouldn't get saved. Amen. You'll hear somebody say, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Glory to God. Amen. I love the Lord. Hallelujah. Sounds. What about the signs of new life? Look at verse 7. So there was a noise, and behold, there was a shaking. That shaking, it wasn't shaking things on the top. It was shaking things beneath that showed up on the outside. When you drop the plow at the Bible Baptist Church, you know what that plow does? It takes things that were not exposed to the sun and lays them over and exposes them to the sun. I'm talking about, neighbor, when God gets to moving around, Brother Grant, there'll be a shaking down beneath that'll, that'll show up out here. It'll show up out here. It'll show up right here. Amen. How long has it been since you something just waded off in the depths of your soul and shook you to the joints and marrows of your being? I'm glad it doesn't have to be a sad story about grandma or grandpa. Just tell me the cup's empty. Tell me that he who knew no sin was made sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him and something beneath gets to moving. What will happen when you have revival at the Dry Valley Baptist Church? Look at verse 7. And the bones came together. You have revival at the Dry Valley Baptist Church. The body will come together. Are you listening? Hey, hear me. The bones can live again. I've been preaching the last little bit on some graveyard scenes in the Word of God. We sing that song around the church that something's happening in Joseph's grave. That's what I've titled this series, Something's Happening. Preach Sunday out of John 11 on when the great I am met the who was. You may feel like you're in a graveyard. I got good news for you. I wanted, when I was a young preacher, I thought, man, I, I preached my first funeral. I thought, I'm going to go find out what the Lord would have preached at a funeral. Mm, I searched for a good while. Never did find a funeral message. And every time I found where he went to the graveyard, somebody left living. Somebody left breathing. Somebody left praising God. You say, what if the Lord were to show up my graveyard? You might just find out your bones will live again. We're standing to our feet. Maybe you want to slip in an altar and say, Lord, Lord, I've not been on a bar stool. I've not been.